Hi, welcome back to MassCast. It is currently the 25th of October, 2023, at 9.14 p.m. And we are playing um, the album, tracks off the album of Alessandra Murasu, entitled, But Without Caring Now. And it's his long play of this year. One of the many. So I've got kind of a big day tomorrow. And it's going to be, historically, my day. Without naming names and pushing too much of anything, I am fully aware of an old drama that's been playing out again and again and again. And the beauty in my knowing, my gnosis, is that I've also been implanted with such a joy and such a awareness for things that my goal, personally, knowing tomorrow is going to be hard, to make it the best day ever. And I don't, I don't know how to do that exactly, but I, I think I'll figure it out along the way. Most of it has to do with my attitude. You know? And how I approach it. So already myself is telling myself, you see all the ways this could go wrong and bad. But I've called in support, actually physically. And I also know that my spiritual support is going to be there. So this is a bright moment um, in a bride way. But it's like the reverse of brightum. It's sovereignty in a different way. And I'm very excited. I, I am. And um, my body is processing this differently than it would have any other time, honestly. Um... What do I want out of it? I'm getting back physical items that are literal tools that I don't even know necessarily how to use or what's in there. Or if it's useful to me in the present moment, but I'm open to the opportunity that everything that's there has been there for a reason and this is actually a good reconnection and so even though the person that I'm there to deal with has said vitriolic things to me that absolutely express the grossest part of man hating women but saying I love you I've been here before honey it's a thing you don't know. I've been here before. And when you find in the world that you can't be equally yoked with anyone, 
because they can't get on your belief system, maybe look at your belief system. It's not that other people are wrong. It's about how you choose to come together to realize unity. And any sort of ideology that suppresses people and keeps them down based off of their exploration of self to see the facet of the creator within themselves, you're bashing. So what I'm seeing now that's interesting is it's as the torch has been passed, it's not just Mary Magdalene. It's the relationship that Mary had with Jesus and the relationship that Jesus had with Mary because she was seen as soiled by society. And Jesus is the representation of hanging out with lepers and people who are sick and ill and doing things that are not societal good, you know? Is acting, and when I say acting, I truly mean pretending to be righteous better than actually doing the right thing and acting in rightness. So this torch that's been passed is interesting because it not only represents Mary Magdalene being seen and illuminated, but the conjoining to show us how the divine and masculine and divine feminine intersect and the forgiveness that one must have to be able to have those kinds of unions and it's I pretty much feel like I've been set up to be able to talk about this because of losing my mother and because of my choice towards celibacy like I should have been a nun if I was religious. But then you start to realize that religion is simply how you're living. It's not a place you go to and the church is the people and what's inside of you. And why are we giving money to these constructs when it's just a separate and divisive effort to keep us away from one another and from our inner self that is inherently connected to God inherently connected to all. Here's what I'm excited about because I feel like I've already been talking about my excitement about things and how it's been building and the situations that have been participatory in my realization and alchemy of what is. something we've never seen before balanced in a way that we could never fathom previously. So many people are feeling this. So many people 
are talking about it and expressing it and you probably know at least one but the question is are you open to them talking about it are you open to listening to what they have to share about this excitement because the excitement oh that's what i have to keep keep in my heart and um i do think something genetically shifted inside of all of us if we're open to recognizing that that happened and I was talking to my dad last night and I was telling him how how I got this new love that I never had before I just I didn't know it and all the struggles that I've had with not having my birth mom with me have been beautiful in the unfolding of myself to learn this greater love like like I can see the appreciation of timing when I'm not linear and when I realize it all exists for a reason and so my mom not being here was so that I had to actually look and search and dig and embody mothers the embodiment of what a mother is but ultimately the divine feminine because the mother is just the physical attribute of what that is but the divine feminine is not just in women the divine feminine is part of everything it just speaks louder or more obviously in certain creations or certain people. So the thing that I have to do tomorrow is set things right from the past. And the past is very big. past I'm talking about having to go into reconciliation um, is only slightly about this actual physical life that I am living in this body right now. And it's so symbolic because the person that I have to reconcile with and reconciliation doesn't just mean apologizing for stuff you're not actually apologetic for reconciling is taking your power back and acknowledging where you've been wrong because we're not on the same page. And I thought that this lifetime was going to be the one where we got on the same page. 
because he's been so important to me for over times where I don't even remember either of our names. for myself and for everyone else and uh, this is also the work that you never get paid for by money you have to just show up for it I'm not taking into consideration that anybody will cancel on me tomorrow but there's always that potential but I'm open for it to go down and the going down of this let's see if I was going to build it up what would I do I'm a giver so my first inclination is to say to like go to the store and buy snacks for everybody because hangry people are angry and, you know, some, maybe some snacks, some water. Okay. I want to connect to the uh, synaptic relay that I know exists that is supportive. And even though I've called in other humans to be supportive, part of that calling in is this is going to change them too or show them something that's good that they need because I'm going to act in accordance with my soul and my heart and I don't want to fight with this guy like he was the first person that I ever loved without knowing why I should love him. He gave me no reason. I simply saw him in his eyes and I said, I don't know why, but I love you. And I thought that the reconnection over time, the fact that we had been in our similar but different situations meant that the spirit was going to be that driving force of leading us back together um, but at this point I believe he can change I believe he can be amazing but I can't trust him to do that and I can't rely on him to do that and therefore it's in my best interest to dissolve my 
presence as much as possible within reason from his reality. And he'll probably only get one physical reminder that I know I gifted for sure, for real, out of love that says a lot but says nothing depending on who's looking um and that one picture that one painting shows this glorious golden city in the distance of the mountains reflected on the lake It's like my etheric home that I know. And I know him from another place. And I, when I was so young, like 12, looking at him and feeling all that love that I didn't, I didn't, I couldn't, it, it made no sense. I'm starting to understand what that's about. And I thought that we were going to meet back up, I guess, and help bring in heaven. And the craziest part about this is he has the same, he doesn't have those feelings about me, but he wants to bring in heaven, but he does not believe in the divine feminine. He thinks that God and Jesus Holy Spirit are all dudes. If that isn't patriarchy packaged in religion, I don't know what is. And we had a conversation the other night where he just kept saying, I love women, I love women. But everything around those statements said, I hate them. They're the biggest problem. They're the fall of man. demonized women and he walked into his own hypocrisy by saying that because he's a godly man or he believes in Jesus that basically he can go around and fuck around and he's fine but if a female does that same thing, then they're a whore. I'm sorry, but the transition of all things is very much in its presence. New album, or new uh, um, playlist here spirit box we've played this before but it's so great it deserves to be in the backdrop for sure um also again alessandro <laughs> marisu anyway uh within this conversation of realizing how much this man 
doesn't like women and blames women for all the problems in his life, I was glad I was able to be of sober mind and calm because I'm aware of my mustard seed of rage. And potentially, if that conversation happened face to face and he came at me, I could eviscerate him. But more than likely, if it came up as aggressive, I would just walk off into the distance and just walk away. Because if you can't communicate, like, what the fuck? <laughs> if, if you want to go to fisticuffs or raising hands when things could be discussed, um, you're the problematic one. And I don't like to fight. I used to like to fight my brother, but that taught me a lot about myself and dynamics and, you know, what you want to get into versus not. Knowingly of myself, I'm a pretty masculine feminine. Or, like, masculine female. I have hyper-independent attitudes, thoughts, mind, and I'm tall, I've always been pretty strong, and mostly uh, with women, if I see that they are perhaps more vulnerable in a way than I am, I will not hesitate to use my presence to be protective. I've stepped inside of fights between men that I don't even know because I feel so strong in my divine that I feel I can pull apart those things. And I've never had a really bad experience about that, but with my own personal endeavors and intimate relationships, I've seen how my divinity is imbalanced and most of that imbalance has been the fact that it's like trying to be something that you're not instead of embracing what you are and what that looks like without judging it based off of normal. And a lot of things are problematic because it all goes back to normal, right? Like, just be normal. Why can't you be normal? I wish I was normal. Normal is the construct to keep creative people And all people are creative if given the opportunity to express it from actually expressing it. And I feel very lucky or blessed or something that my family are creative people. And so they gave me structure, but they also honored creativity. But they also didn't really teach me what I'd need 
to know about how the world actually operates because of normalness. And I think maybe they thought that because I'm smart, I'd just catch on. But even if there were moments when I caught on, it just was dissonant and it didn't feel good. And so I couldn't do it and I wouldn't pursue it because I'm driven by my interests and my abilities to um, enhance. And it seemed like a waste of time to me to do the things that other people do the way that they do them because that's boring and it's so constructive in its own construct but it's not imaginative so I just shut down at some point and walked a different way and hope hoped in my heart that I could figure it out I haven't figured it out yet but I feel like I'm closer to what that is mostly because the element of going with the flow has allowed me to reach this point where flow says, guess what? I'm not just touching you, I'm touching everyone. And I'm making myself known in various ways. And thank you so much for being one of those people in the dry run and like helping to carve the path that I could go down even though it was there before like you helped clear the path for this flow to be more predominant for all people and I see it in my mind as like if you've ever seen the dry run of a flood it's like something happens there's like water and pressure and debris and the water and the pressure reach maximum capacity with like barrier of the debris until it can start breaking the debris and once it starts breaking through the first barrier of debris it starts bringing all the debris with it so the ratio of debris at the beginning of a uh, dry run, dry flood, is like it's not as much water as it is debris or material that the water is catalytically pushing forward. And as the water pressure builds up and as the debris current builds it can take out a lot within its path. But mostly, that water did run that path before at some other time, and it's been a long time since it's been there. And so that's why it looks hyper-destructive, is like it's taking out everything in its path to reestablish its path and by taking out what's in its path more often than not it's debris 
but that can be controversial because dry runs can take out homes. And that begs the question of like, why are we building in places where water has always wanted to be? To choose to go in a path. And that can get bigger. But anyway, so it pushes all this debris down until it reaches this max capacity where the water flowing is now more overwhelming than the debris in front of it and that's how it breaks the dry run um Spiritually, people are trying to to ride this kind of wave where we're seeing it culminate on both sides. And what do you do? If you're going with the flow, it depends on your perspective. Are you just a rock that was sitting there forever? back when there was water before and you're like oh my gosh thank goodness I'm wet again or are you the debris in the middle that's now being moved out of the way and being like how dare you move me I've been sitting here for quite a while and I enjoyed how the sun hit me are you a home are you are you a person with a home that had a home built on a place where it shouldn't be built because when nature speaks, it's gonna let you know. Here's another thing. We don't totally know what is actual debris in the path sometimes and or obstruction or like just inconvenience, ignorant. The thing about the Divine Feminine is um, she's super about nature and really not about war and really about the wisdom of what the earth teaches you. This isn't new knowledge. It just seems like what's happening is there was an actual torch past which means that we can no longer ignore the obvious. We can no longer push off to the side the fact that all these good things that are comfort and joy, they're really facilitated by the mother. Nowhere in like the bible do you hear about god being excited about bearing a child like he gets the benefit if the he is what god is in your opinion he gets the benefit of creating something magnanimous and influential but he doesn't have to bear the weight of it necessarily and we don't really hear about the pains 
of the birth. It's like poetically given to us, but we don't hear about the mother's experience really at all. And there are all these men thinking they're so great because they're good Christians or what they want to entitle themselves as good Christian men who don't give a fuck about women. They don't give a fuck about the childbearing. They don't like, they like planting seeds. They don't like cultivating. They like uh, the benefit that the seed bears, right? But they don't want to actually, like, participate with the balance of it being in the world. So... Antiflow has returned, and there are so many names that I find all of this stuff that people are realizing right now about the Divine Feminine to be so funny, because it's just like tropes, and those who know have known, and those who don't know, well, part of me feels kind of sad for them because it's not like it hasn't been right in front of their face the whole time but I also feel sad about that because like people are so indoctrinated they don't think for themselves and so you go where your your uh, community supports you and men have way more clubs than women for support and so we've had to figure out a lot of stuff on our own while taking care of a bunch of other shit and now we're saying mm, okay shit is not running right maybe you listen to us maybe you take into account that we are we've been watching this we've been paying attention to it We've been participating with it. We've been even creating progeny to put into this. Why don't you listen to us? One of the reasons I'm having to do what I have to do tomorrow is because not just the language about women, but the ancestral ancient thing that I'm having to do is to pull back my energy from a man who truly believes that the reason he can't find a woman is because he can't be equally yoked. And why he can't be equally yoked is because he believes 100% in the fact that he thinks women should be submissive. It's 2023, y'all. What? Like, I love him as a person because I know that he's not evil. I know that he's confused. And indoctrinated in his own ways. But the fact that he wants to blame the fact that he can't find a good woman. Because he believes that the trinity is all dudes and that women should be submissive to men I 
hope you never find a woman who wants to agree with you. And how stupid was I to kind of dance around that for a little bit? But the beautiful thing is he never put his dick in me. And so I never gave him that energy of my potency in that way. And I didn't allow him to take my energy in a way where I would be overtaken. In fact, the moments when I felt like that and I was around him, I wrote in my journal. I kept my celibacy. And uh, I cried a lot. And I learned a lot. Life hasn't been easy for any of us, I don't think. And that's okay. Like, the learning in this process has been so extraordinary. Part of the coronation, part of the torch being passed, is the reconciliation in the admission the knowing that I have now for tomorrow is that I probably won't get any real apology I don't expect one if I got one I'd be testing it is it true? and even if it was true would it change where we are going now? kind of expect that he's going to feel a very, very deep loss. And he's not going to understand why that loss feels so deep. It's not just because he can't find a woman who wants to agree with his beliefs or because his other friends that are male have found women that they can be yoked with. And they've stepped away from him because they're women of his friends, the wives of his friends, don't have time for this kind of bullshit. Like, they're building their own life. And so I don't... I just don't feel any badness, man. I just feel like I want to go in like sunshine and joy. Like I'm probably going to dress inadequately because I'm more about expressing what I feel in my heart outside so it's very obvious and I feel powerful with that than to shy away and pretend to just be like normal no tomorrow is going to be one of my best dresses even though I'm going to the land and I'm probably going to get dirty and I might fuck up my outfit I'm going to dress up for me and my soul and my knowing and I'm going to radiate and it's going to be fucking awesome 
it's going to be awesome because I'm going to be able to show my elders myself and how I I can do this and I'm so appreciative for their support but I'm also going to be able to show this person that I've had lifetimes with problematically that I don't need to go back to that anymore so ritualistically for me it's a big letting go and I thought that maybe part of this would just be like just not doing it just letting the hypothetical it go but essentially my elders are telling me no you can't just let it go like that you have to take care of some business but they're open and willing to support me in taking care of that business which is where a lot of my arrested development is is I I don't actually know how to do things and I've had a lot of failure in certain ways because I just barrel in too hard at the wrong time it's gotten better because I've learned about timing even more but mm, still working on it and I know I need the specific support that I'm going to have tomorrow. And I'm excited. Oh my gosh. I bet you. I mean, I don't bet you. I don't bet anybody anything unless I feel like gambling and then I just do that occasionally. Not often. However... I kind of think he's shitting bricks. I think he's scared. And he's scared, most likely, because the Holy Spirit was called in, and she is not a he. She's part of the all. But she is very a, much a definite female energy. And I knew when I got off my phone call with him that, like, oof, you're going to cancel with me tomorrow because the minute she sits upon your chest and you see her for what she is, you have to reevaluate everything, all your stuff have to do it I can't make somebody do that not personally but I bring the energy with me and it's uh, beneficial so I'm pretty excited because I believe that the Holy Spirit is very much with me and very much aware of the elders that will be facilitating tomorrow, which means the amplification of such awareness will be palatable. And if I'm just joy, if I just come in as joy, 
like not even because I'm pretending to be joy, but because I've experienced a new joy that he's never going to know if he doesn't acknowledge the presence that is. So we're wearing each other's robes tomorrow in certain ways. I love that. It's so beautiful. All right, this last bit was um, seven minutes out of 20 minutes of Before Morning from Alessandro, Seven Days Resounding. And uh, what a blessed person I am to have such a wonderful collaborator to give me these soundscapes to be able to articulate and not have to hyper create while I contemplate maybe someday he'll do this maybe someday he'll talk awkwardly over my creations about his life hey Al Alessandro do you want to do that (laughs) just kidding if he wanted to do that he would have done it by now anyway I have this beautiful collaborator in a different country that helps me process these things and I help him process things and the beauty of it is like really what flow is and how we want to exist with one another when sometimes words are not enough or words are too much to be able to use all of our creative senses to create new things to be able to process and move or remove blockages from the past transform transformative that's you that's me and it's 1001 i need to prepare for tomorrow i love you thank you for listening and may the 26th of october be epic for all of us with amazing reconciliation, comprehension, collaboration, co-creation, and tangible, substantial fulfillment. We are awesome. And we know it. Let's do it. Good night. Over the last few days, I've gotten upset for various reasons, and most of it comes from the part of me that is not satiated with the history we've been given. And being an individual who is always searching for the why and how and when and loving the questions of our humanity and curious about our own history... I keep looking. So when I see people polarized based off of color or where they come from or how they live their life in regard to things that they might not agree with that are ultimately at the down end of scale of hurting other people, 
it upsets me because I've been one of the blessed people on earth, I guess you could say, in the sense that I've been able to travel and I've been able to meet other people in other circumstances. And I've also had the great opportunity of just riding free on my own without having a destination on where I'd go or, you know, where I'd end up. And ultimately, in those situations, I'd always meet the nicest people. Like, they weren't out to rape me or kill me or make my life miserable or kill my family or anything like that. They were just like, oh, you're a nice human and I'm a nice human and how can my nice humanness help you right now? And I'm white and I'm female and maybe that's why I get all these wonderful circumstances to be able to do that without being dead by now. But I don't think that that's the truth at all. I think that to, I don't know, blame or consider people who go through those circumstances lucky is crazy and takes no responsibility for who we actually are as part of creation. In those travels, I've had people who have been in my sphere who had less than better intentions. I had my intuition during those situations. And when I felt encroached upon, I wasn't afraid to scream out loud or cause a stir to other people to let them know that this situation that was occurring was fucked up. That might not have happened in my earlier, earlier, earlier life, but because it didn't happen in my earlier, earlier, earlier life, I was able to instill that knowledge later. And when I said something, it was taken care of. Not in violent ways, but in ways where the people who were being kind to me did not appreciate that they would allow someone else in their house who would be perpetuating oppression of any sort or fear. And the simplest answer in minute circumstances, somebody in your house who is being a derelict is to kick them out. And maybe that's where it starts, is if you don't deal with it in your house or your perimeter or whatever, you don't allow that circumstance to happen and you call it out in a moment, it won't go on. It must be humiliating for the person who's trying to do something wrong to be called out by that many people, especially in a small community. And ultimately, this is where everything starts with psychopathy in the human condition. We can choose to just buy into the charisma of people who are charismatic and manipulative, or we can listen to the insides of ourselves, 
and listen to those around us. And if somebody needs help, truly it is our human obligation to step up and help them for the mere fact that if it was us in their shoes, we would want someone to stand up and help us, especially if we felt helpless. And uh, in this world, I just find that the greatest conflict comes with people who want to stand up for themselves but are afraid of the people and the whole around them and their opinions, that they don't want to be in the minority because we've already created a white supremacy where minority is derogatory. We don't want to be the person who creates waves or stirs the pot or any of these things. But you know what? The ocean creates waves naturally. Stirring a pot is necessary during certain times of making something. And if there aren't people or entities, or something to stir that pot, or to create those waves and tip that boat, then we think everything is just conducive to ourselves. And the biggest problem with humanity is the fact that we think we can control everything, and we can't. We have to be willing to control what we can for ourselves. And that's part of the, uh, you know, serenity prayer for people who are in Alcoholics Anonymous and Al-Anon and Narcanon. Give me the strength to change what I can. And I I don't know it, but the strength to deal with what I can change is basically what it is. We cannot dictate, change, direct, or be a fucking martyr or something of everything. We can't. And that's where humanity gets in a big problem with thinking that, you know, like like this anxiety, I want to change it, ah, I think I can do something. You can do something. You can change things. We all want to be big, proud, and observed as making an impact, but slow down. Take it back a notch. Look at the things, you know? What can you do? Well, you can be in charge of yourself. That's the biggest thing in the world that you could be responsible for and proud of. How do you do that? Well, geez. If you stand on a platform of not hurting others and living in a quote-unquote Christ-like attitude, meaning it's righteous love. It's not just judging people because you're like, I don't like that. This doesn't work for me. You're looking at it from a bigger spectrum of humanity and how it impacts all of us. 
not just the self in this one moment. So take a step back and look at that. What do we have in this world? We have people who are fighting on polarity all the time because they can't reach a middle ground. And why is that? Why is that? Because we're taught and encouraged to believe that it's one or the other. It is not a process of looking toward ourselves and looking toward each other as we are sisters and brothers. It is, oh, you're a different skin color than me, or you believe something that I don't believe in, so that must mean we should fight and have war. Hey, 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 what is war for? I don't know. I don't get it. Like, I'm one of those people who don't fucking get it. Because I'm standing back and I'm just trying to be the best person I could fucking be. And I don't want make, to make anyone else feel bad. And I sure as hell don't want anybody else to make me feel bad. But if they make me feel bad, I'm not going to fight them with guns or knives or swords or anything like the sort. I'm not going to hire somebody I know and hire, you know, echelons to shoot a bomb at them. No. I'm going to do one or two things, most likely. The first is ask a lot of questions and try and get them to speak to me in a way where I can have some clarity toward what they think. And if they refuse or choose not to reach that point because they want to engage, then I'm left with one other way of going. And that's dropping it doesn't mean I'm going to forget what happened. It doesn't mean that I'm not going to take that knowledge and insert it into other places of my being. It just means that they're not in my life anymore. That I'm going to close a door to them. But that door isn't locked. Because... There's a reason the people that I like or I love in the world are people who are, you know? And so they have their own path and they have their own lessons and they have their own choices and they have their own decisions and they have to pay the consequence of all that. It just means right now we're not seeing eye to eye. So if we take that concept to a bigger side and we look at the whole world as people who are going through things that we go through all the time, only we think that we're more important because we're white than we're crazy, because we're denying this whole other thing that says, wait, there are only so many struggles and hates you can have in the world. There are, many, there are only so many people that are really creating these atrocities and making us feel less than we are and encouraging us to feel less than we are through the atrocities of just publicity. Through, like, putting out propaganda daily for us to consume and think is our truth and then crawl into bed and be like, oh, yes... I'm like a Calgon commercial. Hmm. Some of you might not even know what Calgon is, and it doesn't matter.
but it was a soil remover, also considered a soap. So, what do we do? What do we do? What do we do? What do we do? I don't want to fight with people. I don't want to have to buy a gun, even though I live in a pro-gun state. Figured if that was my game, then I've already come in too late because I don't think shooting people is our answer ever except for self-defense. And just because we have immigrants coming in doesn't mean that we have to be on the defense on who they are. We don't know them. And it's like any other time when just one person either went against you and you felt that pain or the difference between when one person stood up for you and in their defense you found release and comfort. Somebody has your side. If you look back deeper on all that, it was still polarized. I'm asking the bulk of humanity and the people that I know to step outside how they've been and how they've grown up and look at all of it. Look back yet still. Further, further, further. It's not just about our recent history from the time of your great-grandfather to now or biblical history that we've been taught. It's the greater history of humanity and how we can function together on this one piece of land that we all exist on. That is profound. I will not stand down from my beliefs that there is a certain hypocrisy that's being bled through all of our media, and I don't stand for it. I will not stand for it. I want to know what it's like to live in a tribal community. I want to know what it's like to live as a Jewish person. I want to know what it's like to live with the Koran. I want to know what it's like to be human without just being white or female or existing within some other patriarchy where I'm supposed to feed the fucking machine. Because I'm bigger than that. And you're bigger than that. We're all bigger than that. And we're telling ourselves that we can't have this or that because we don't have the money or the funds because of the F I D C I R created S C I A R M I B Q R S. Yeah, they're just letter organizations. I don't fucking get it. So, um, I don't know. Maybe you're like me and you're feeling helpless in a helpless world. 
where you've tried everything with your heart and it all seems absurd. Nobody wants to help and everybody thinks it's a joke because it's better for them to just ignore you. Cool. Okay. Great. But I still believe in some sorts of fate and some sorts of heart and some sorts of peace and some ways we should assert ourselves and then find that release so that we don't feel bad later on down the road, whether that's life or death or some other nodal existence, I don't know. It saddens me that we find ourselves in conflict. And that conflict only started not so long ago. And a few historians are asking, where did we go wrong? Why is it the way it is? And yet, history teachers are still teaching his story. Part of it, mostly glory of the United States. But you know what? We're not the best. We're not the brightest. We've just had kings who told us this. And we've agreed and followed along. And I think it's time that we step back and see that history isn't kings. History. Herstory. Our story is made from you and me. And when we realize that, maybe we'll find peace. <clears throat> okay, it's uh, 12.35 and I want to propose an idea. What if somehow, some way, uh, we are spells? And that's kind of a crazy idea, but bear with me. I'm going to try and work through this with you and with myself. All right. So when people meet, um, they introduce themselves by their names, right? And the circumstance in which they meet each other and how they find out each other's names or do not is pretty significant. It kind of sets the stage for the whatever happens next. That's the continuing situations and the byproducts of it. A situation between two people always has the option of moving toward positive or negative. And um, each person plays their part in how they contribute to that dynamic. Uh, it's a recipe. So, if their names mean something and situations are pertinent, all of a sudden, that's where we would write a script, right? So, how do people play the archetypal uh, characters in the script that are your life? And what does that mean for you? Crazy. So, um, if we take everything into account, because in my perception, everything is from creation, and uh, it is consistently giving us codes to see it and deal with it. 
and interact with it and either glorify or demonize it. It's People don't want you to hear this, but I think it's subjective um, because there are so many constructs in our reality that beg you to say all or nothing. And I just, I'm, I'm not there. I feel like I've been there and I can't go back. Um, so within these constructs, you've got your names, your places, your dates, uh, and your archetypes. So your dates match up with your archetypes in uh, the way that people look at astrology, astrotheology, um, numerology, all these things. And then we look at the construct of how the reality we live on is built. It's also mathematical. Makes sense. And people are really obsessed with entertainment and they're like, what's going to happen next on this show? And they neglect the fact that they themselves represent an archetype, do actually have a microcosm that wraps around them very um, tightly and begs for their attention. And the responses depend on the next episode kind of thing. I find it deeply disturbing and interesting that everything that people want to know can be seen through the lens of entertainment and media, but not many people see it that way. Um, it's an escape. But when you start to look at it with the eye of what is this actually saying, you see a bunch of relevance. And I'm going to say to a certain degree that I get the privilege of looking at this stuff because I don't have the same responsibilities on the same level with my life, with the people I interact with my life. Um, and as we play out these archetypal figures under these numbers, And we wonder what's going on with the world. And the new age basically begs you to make yourself the center of your own attention. Where is that balance, right? I think what I see in that balance is that people do need to be responsible for themselves and their actions. They need accountability, which is the other archetypal figures. 
but they also need to realize how that is just a microcosm of something else that's happening that's greater. I felt so much happening this evening and uh, it started bleeding yesterday so my hormones are all wackadoodle do and I'm always just trying to um, be there for other people and I get something from that I think it's a sense of validation that I exist How else do I have to uh, justify that? I don't know. I don't know why I am, but I think we all, as we fall into archetypal positions, desire to be known and remembered for some reason, hopefully good. Some people don't care. (laughs) Some people are probably left to the wolves with whatever happens. I'd hope that I'm not left to the wolves, but if I am, then so be it so. It's not easy. It's really not easy. And um, I think that we thought we had role models. All of us thought we had some sort of role models, and we don't. We're starting from scratch, taking the flour, the water, and the oil, and making the dough. I think that people, I think that people will thrive and survive do because I can't imagine the most tenacious people will fail in their tenacity I mean um, I'm not I'm not an activist and I'm not I don't act the way that most people expect people to act to a certain degree Maybe they do now, but I don't think that I do. And when shit gets even more tough, I have no choice but to become more tenacious. There are a bunch of people like that. So, shit's weird. Shit is wacky. Take into account your own script. Are you the hero? Are you the villain? Are you the Judas? Are you the Job? Are you losing? It's like, that's why the Bible is awesome. (laughs) You can go through and see the archetypal characters played out in every major circumstance. Which one are you? Um, So far as I can tell, I'm playing all of them. All of them. And probably um, no one more than the other. 
in my own perception because I'm so fallible. Uh, yeah. Rather not be fallible, but that's um, that's life, right? So we do these things. We go this way. Try and be this way. Support each other. If I go full circle and I look at the dates and all this stuff, then I start to see how um, every year at the same point in time shit kind of uh, unravels. And when it does that, it's all about loss and it's all about pain and discomfort and awkward. And I'm not sure how to turn it around because I don't believe that doing it the way that it's been done is the right way to do it again. That didn't work. There's a certain nostalgia, but... No. (laughs) And with some people, I think that that would be found offensive because they cling the comfort of familiarity and I don't know I I feel kind of bad talking about any of this because um, isn't this new world order fucking satanic bullshit There's still that corner of my mind that is in fear of, of God or, or Jesus. And every day I'm so thankful and blessed for what I've learned or what I thought I learned through the positive teachings of humanity, through the caring nature of God and then there's still this other part and ultimately I can't help but go back to it all comes from the same place God admits it in the Bible that he created everything, the heaven and the earth and all those he cast down so so many times if I were to take that literally I'd feel like I am either uh, fallen or you know a byproduct of being fallen. And if I take that just very literally, it gets super sci-fi and weird. But if I take it in a sense of everybody has to experience the highs and the lows and the trials and tribulations of humanity in different ways which is sort of the acceleration of the life that we live now where many people have many lives in one life so you know for me I've lived in different places I've done different jobs worked with different people had different groups of friends had to 
had different relationships, had to work through all of the hardest parts of transition. Um, at the end of the day, I felt like the thing that I was supposed to keep intact was an honor for creation. And the times that I failed creation, I'm so aware of. And I'm, I feel it so deeply that I would never... I'd never want to do creation like that again. And I wouldn't want it to affect me, you know, by knowing. And I, and I feel like I've had, uh, through every lifetime in this one lifetime, so many slap-in-the-face experiences of, like, how I'm not just doing creation wrong, I'm doing myself wrong, and uh, how do I reconcile this, and, you know, I thought, I thought it'd be more simple, I thought that you could just, like, take responsibility for the hard times, and that just compensate for shit, but it doesn't, and we're seeing this with the Me Too, and people coming out about rape and stuff. Uh, I've been waiting on edge <laughs> for this for years because uh, why am I laughing? It's like, but I am kind of happy giddy because I've waited on this stuff for years and it's only because I didn't take this. It's because I took the same route as so many people have taken where I said, I'm not going to report this. Karma is a bigger bitch than I'll ever be. That was that was my response. So even though I've known for a long time that this stuff happens, the opportunity that I had, I didn't take it and I justified it as something that I, you know, it's like paying your dues. Even if you're not going to be a famous person, I think everybody kind of gets to a point where things get uncomfortable and uh, you've heard it for so long, you're like, oh, I'm just paying my dues, so I'll do it. And I've done that in my life and I'm not proud of it. And... makes me think that I should have stood up and said something earlier because I'm so mouthy about so many other things. But then I'm back to this archetype. And I think I bear seeds and I reap them, but I keep nothing to a certain degree. Um, all the stuff that I thought was making me feel so awkward when I was younger, that's, like, not taboo anymore. <laughs> Everything that I thought needed to be discussed, to a certain degree, is being pulled to the surface and questioned and 
having conversations about. I think that's great. I think that that's, that's where I wanted to go with everything. But then it's like, then what do we do? What do we do? What do we do about all these conversations? Um, so I feel like I need to go back in my hypothetical laboratory and set some, some intentional seeds there because people are really worried and I really don't, I don't want anyone to worry because how they think about this means just as much as how I think about this. Um, I don't see shit getting as gnarly as people think it will. And and I want to say that and I want to believe that because part of this uncovering that's happening has to happen for other things to be revealed. And then as they unfold in succession, the more upset people are going to get but not in a way where they want to hurt each other they are going to get upset on a level where they want to protect one another and when people who have been pitted one against one another stand to defend one another anybody who's pitted them against each other is fucked And I'm not a big one for violence. And I only have 50% belief in rehabilitation for really deviant behavior. Um, And I don't have much patience for people who have been purposely sadistically manipulating masses for a long time. That's that's where we're going to get the intensity is there are a lot of people who are on on that kind of belief system and also there are a lot of people who have been pained by um shit trickling downhill quite frankly and I'm kind of excited in the sense that when we collectively start to see that the there's junky junk happening behind the scenes and it runs downhill and we don't want that anymore I'm excited to see how humanity is going to act with brilliance and not violence. So, that is yet to be determined, I think, on how it plays out, but my heart is so deep, my feelings swell so much. And, uh, all I've got is this handy iPhone to talk to. Anyway, um, if I, if I share this with anyone, I hope it didn't bore you. And I hope that you have some positive 
feelings to put toward that. I would like to talk more about our personal archetypal stories at some point in time. Um, but I'm bleeding, and it's 12.57. I should just be like, good night, y'all. Good night. Good night, farewell, sleep well, good night, farewell. Why am I singing it like I'm incredibly curious at what age people come to the realization for themselves in the stark contrast that exists between the haves and the have-nots. And then the people who are in the middle who... I feel like the people in the middle are the ones who maybe are, I don't know, less inclined to understand the stark contrast until they are hit upside the head with it for some reason. <clears throat> a story that I'll tell because it's relatable is a story that my sister told me, which was this in elementary school, she went to school and was in the middle of the haves and the have-nots. And during Christmas, when they were still young enough to believe in Santa Claus, um, everybody comes back from vacation and talks about what they got for presents. And Santa is an, an anonymous giver, you know, kind of. That's when my sister saw that how could one of her friends get, like, a brand new this, that, and the other thing... And the other friend didn't get anything from Santa. And she got a stocking full of socks and toothpaste. At this point, they all just agree they're in the same grade level. They're the same age, approximately. They're all girls. They all have moms and dads. They all go to the same school right all of a sudden you're but this construct of this fictional character called santa dictates who's naughty and who's nice and gives accordingly right it automatically sort of assumes that the kid who's coming from not much and or the family doesn't acknowledge santa like it might be a religious issue puts them on a weird scale of comparison and then looking at yourself and what you get and your level of appreciation it's a huge <laughs> sort of milestone in having to grow up not just because you learn that you've been lied to for years and that you're you are or are not getting gifts from this fictional character but that Every, all of your peers, with the exception of a few, have been lied to as well. And it totally resets the scale on whatever the heck is happening um, in people's personal lives. And that's weird to think about. Later in my life, I learned that some of the shittiest people as little kids 
had the shittiest parents and were treating their little sweet byproducts of co-creation and bodily fluid were treating these little little humans horribly and unfairly and that was trickling down into the effect of um you know school reality the double whammy of that being that a kid getting treated like shit didn't have boundary in the socioeconomic kind of scale. So a kid could come from poorness and be treated like shit, but a kid could get everything brand new and great and still be treated like shit. And a kid could live in the middle ground and probably also kind of be treated like shit. But I feel like maybe it was a little less likely to be in certain ways in certain demographics. And I can't speak to that directly because um, though my parents definitely made mistakes, they didn't damage me like that. Um, And I'm really thankful for them. when we look at the stark contrast of reality, um, I guess while I was mulling this over in my head, I was thinking about neighborhoods. Because what is a neighborhood? A neighborhood is the beginning of a community. And so if in your town a new um, neighborhood is being built or coming up, something's going to happen with what how that gets populated. And depending on the size of the homes and the cost of the homes and the area of the homes and the accessibility of the homes to what people are looking for is kind of going to determine the quality and population of a neighborhood. So, for instance, the house that I live in that my grandparents moved in to back in the early 50s was a pretty new neighborhood and town was just starting to sprawl. The road that is now a very main road that you might even be able to hear in the background of this recording was actually a dirt road and across the street was a big dirt covered hill. Not the mass amount of apartments and houses that exist there today. There are pictures to prove this. But what happened? This little annex division of the town got development and the price was right for young married people basically with jobs and growing families. So my grandparents bought a house projecting the growth of their family in a location that seemed good for them. It was near main roads, but off the beaten path. That is, until the neighborhood exploded over time, right? Which is crazy because what they projected it for totally fit multiple generations of people. I mean, their kids moved back and stayed here. I've lived here more than once. They've been able to actually encapsulate hundreds of years of living, not only between themselves, 
but their families utilizing the home. And as that's trickled off, the neighborhood has changed and the population has grown and, and shifted. So this whole block right here used to be filled with people who were very much like my grandparents. And they were young people with their growing families and everybody's kids grew up together and they went to the same schools and everybody knew each other. And when I moved back here in 2012, is like when the Frontier Street Mass exodus was happening amongst the elderly and uh, a bunch of old neighbors and family members decided to depart this earthly realm in that year. And that was tough on my grandma. And so that 2012, now it's 2019, almost 2020, we're going on eight years of watching something else change here that I didn't notice before the other times that I lived here because I was at different phases in my life. I was a different person. So when I was a kid, the backyard was an amazing imagination reality, but if I could get out of the yard and like go to the grocery store and visit a vending machine, that would be awesome, right? These things, just in this small little hop, skip, and a jump. It was like Disneyland for a kid who didn't know what Disneyland was. It was just the best it could get. So now I'm watching the neighborhood change because all the old people have died off or... Um, yeah, pretty much. They've died off. Houses have gone up for sale, taken up new ownership or family ownership. Um, which means like yards are changing and you can tell when people are doing some home construction. There are new people all around in a, but they're all kind of seemingly in different really, really different phases of life. Instead of all of a new group of people moving into a neighborhood who are all basically on the same phase of life, young, married, growing families. These are some older, but with young children families. Uh, young people who are into making money out of an investment property and making upgrades to the property over a period of time while living there. Uh, there are the, oh, somebody had a, you know, a medical thing and like now their kid is, their adult child is living with them or at least, um, being here more often to take care. I'm just standing back here on the corner of a busy road like, oh, this is interesting to watch life from the outside just as this, um, you can tell when things change. And then they opened up a chicken, a new chicken shop, um, fast food eatery down the road for me in a place that's already got like rotisserie chicken and fried chicken at the grocery store across the street and like right next to it is a taco place that has various kinds of chicken and um it's all within a half mile of like a chick-fil-a um the people backing up traffic 
on this road just to try out a chicken place on the first day that it's open. And I, in my head, I worked it down to probably two groups of people. Um, one group of people are the people who are just obsessed with being the first to try something. And then the other half are the people who, um, this type of chicken is more southern style and probably uh, from what I could tell more proprietary to southern fast food establishments meaning it isn't necessarily a direct competition with like Chick-fil-a or the grocery store because it's a style and their sides are a style of food that is regional um I don't know it just seemed crazy to me that people were making a big deal out of this. And I think that the second group of people are probably from that regional group who are a bit like me, where I've had dreams about Chick-fil-A when I've lived in places without Chick-fil-A. like, And the dreams are always, oh, they ran out of nuggets and that's all I wanted. Or um, it's every day is Sunday and every time I show up, they're not open. Um, and I, I can smell it and it's very, very interesting experience because I've had it for so long. I don't have it now because I'm near one. But when I lived in California and Oregon, not near Chick-fil-A, those dreams would be so upsetting to me. And so I can only imagine that this chicken place is probably similar on some level and I used to ask myself like what the heck is Chick-fil-A putting in their chicken like yeah I know they talk about um frying stuff in peanut oil and maybe that is what it is that's it but it has to be more than that if you dream about it you're anthropomorphizing it as a process in your brain space in in your dream space it's too much so anyway my, the neighborhood is changing obviously um what I noticed also is when I went for a walk the corner just like perpendicular to my house has a metal plate on it that looks like it's prepared to be set up with a stoplight and I'm I my house is literally on the corner of this road. Uh, people walk through the yard all the time because my grandparents were like, oh, um, sidewalks are optional to pay for. No, we're not paying for that. And I totally, you know, I respect that decision. I could see how I might do the same thing. But it it encourages people to walk through their yard. And also, we have a stop sign in our yard because we don't have a sidewalk and I just think it's kind of weird this <laughs> sort of unintentional relationship that we have with the city in the city but not not doing it the way everybody else did it and I don't I'm not exactly sure what the history is on that but it's certainly interesting to watch people um, just, you know, cut through 
our yard or even walk up the driveway because we've got an L-shaped driveway. They'll just utilize the driveway, which I don't totally hate, but I do kind of hate because I'm like, <clears throat> if you if we had a sidewalk, you could be walking in that same formation, basically, but like eight feet further away from the house. <laughs> it's like, you're just too close. The sidewalk doesn't get that close to anybody else's house, really. I mean, and then I just sound entitled. Gosh, darn it. It's tough times. It's tough times. Um, what else is happening with this neighborhood? Oh, yeah, they say that crime is not increasing, that's violent, but doesn't sound like that on the scanner. Um, it looks like a lot of people are getting busted for drugs and other dumb stuff. And I, and I almost feel bad looking at the blotter briefs because I'm just like, I'm doing it because I'm thankful that my name isn't in there. Not that I need a a reason or that I would give myself a reason to be in there, but like, yeah, I've been arrested before. And so, yeah, I was probably in some sort of periodical with my name and address and age and all that shit at one point in time because I did something not awesome. And I'm just really thankful it wasn't in my hometown, right? But I look at these names and I'm like, I don't even... I don't even know who these people are, like, even if they're around my age range. And then I see names that I'm like, oh, I wonder if that's a kid of somebody that I went to school with because, oh, we're old enough now for you to have children over 18 who might be making bad decisions for their own reasons. What do you have to do with that? <laughs> right? Ugh. <clears throat> anyway, um, the middle ground. The middle ground is an interesting place to be, and I don't know. I'm kind of starting to think that the reason that you're told not to be in the middle ground is not only because it will make you think a lot, but the polarization of seeing opposite ends of something and not really wanting to go to any extreme or be in any extreme, really, in regard to um, certain proclivity. <sighs> That's a tough lesson. It's a tough lesson, and I don't think it's a graceful one. I don't think that um, anybody is taught in in the graceful way like we've had to create fictional characters like Santa Claus in order to introduce the traumatic realization that um no the life 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 isn't actually fair there are some children who are never even told that life is fair they just get what they want or they don't it's super crazy to think that our parents and their belief systems are a large part of who we grow up to be and what we're impressed by. And um, I think that one of the things that's nice about 
the idea that there are certain tenets of conduct are if we could if we could agree on those things across the board that alleviates a lot of problems in um potentially going into extremist behavior but there's always going to be people who go into extremist behavior and that that should be questioned <laughs> um yeah cuz man extremes are generally either fantastical or not you know what i'm saying there it's it's weird that everybody has a strange little balance and scale for that that is going to be unique across the board even with siblings in the same households as lifestyles change something about my family is um since i didn't have the same kind of uh experience as my sister with how the haves and the have not kind of thing Everything seemed pretty equilateral until about high school when that that's when it really was impressed. It did happen in elementary school, but it was only one person that I realized, oh, this, oh no, wait, groups of people like this exist. It's not just like one every once in a while. You can actually be in environments with people who are super entitled and they have no idea why and um if if you're not thinking a lot about things it's not fair it doesn't make sense but it's all like historical (laughs) and these kids don't even necessarily know that that's what's so interesting is at some point people start to catch up with one another through life experience where they can get an observation that they didn't have before that gives them a little bit more insight about human behavior and interaction and oh maybe why um people have reacted to them in a certain way or whatever it's like you get self-reflection you get world reflection and you realize everybody's kind of coming into this game at different places and times and aptitudes and that feels kind of like satisfaction because it's like oh okay cool well like we all leveled up (laughs) and if we all leveled up that means that um let's see where else we can go with that but I feel like most adults probably most people probably only have about two or three historically big um, level up moments and that it's not like a life of trying to level up in all ways all the time and I don't mean in all ways all the time like oh I ran um, a triathlon and uh, I got cast in this award-winning 
big budget thing and everybody knows who I am. No, no, no. Like leveling up yourself in the sense that if you realize that there are certain patterns and all this stuff that we have to fulfill and there is a question of why are we here on earth um yeah keeping that in mind always because I think that why are we here is such a big question that it's easy to um figure out what your threshold is and then settle there and then maybe not ask that as much or compulsively but this seems like a life path <laughs> that doesn't have um a very good uh guidebook or or whatever for it so the observational method of looking at things by the time i decide what i want i'm going to be out of that phase of my life is kind of seems what's happening um I don't know I don't know what to do with that (laughs) uh I make statements that I don't want to be true but they feel logical and true in the sense of well this is this is what I see I'm not seeing anything above or beyond what this is in a certain construct so I'm not pressuring myself to pretend to live or whatever some other reality I like the idea of things unfolding naturally and planning's not a not a big thing for me like I don't want to spend the amount of emotion, emotional stress that comes of planning things to happen. It's like, I can overthink and I still don't have to do anything, but if I have to plan, that means I'm obligated somehow. <sighs> Honestly, uh, it seems like people go with the idea that they're supposed to have an idea for their life and I'm not on board there having a hard hard time with that and I think it's I think it's because I've chosen to stay in the middle of nope that sounds like too much there that sounds like too much there or not enough there and like this is okay why can't this be okay I should be comparing myself to other people and it's probably not okay for them like dude I can say about other things that you're too old for that you need to just stop and that makes sense this feels like one of those things where I should be like you're too old to be doing this like that so stop just stop expending your emotional and mental energy toward Um, comparing your life to other people's life but then it goes back to the question of then what are we here for and I'm like yeah I don't this is so what the heck you know I'm at a loss for words so 